know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Eric the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Aaron Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B and J-Mac are on tap to help us navigate the show. We appreciate you listening. It's great to be back with you. Um, I know that we've got some announcements that we want to get to today and then just jump right into content. Yeah, a big announcement is this is the last day to register for the Marriage Family Life uh, Conference. And so if uh, you still desire to uh, come and join us, go to marriagefamilylife.net, marriagefamilylife.net, and you can register today. Uh, registration ends today, but it goes throughout till midnight. So um, you still have time, and people have been registering today as well. So uh, marriagefamilylife.net to register. Also, if you want to email us, you can email us at addisons at EFR.net. All right. So today I, I wanted to um, kind of circle back to something. And I, unfortunately, I'm going to have to unfortunately, I'm going to have to give a disclaimer just because some of the nature of what we will talk about today may not be suitable for younger listeners. So if you have younger listeners uh, with you and we're not going to go into a whole lot of detail, so you can just this can be kind of like at your discretion type mm -hmm. of thing. But we're going to talk about the SBC. So mm -hmm. along with that comes, like, I guess, somewhat of a necessary conversation around why we're talking about the SBC and right. like what's going on. Um, I, I do believe that today's discussion will have a bit of a different angle that I think is a necessary one that doesn't have to focus so much on exactly what we're talking about, mm -hmm. but it, it will touch on it just a little bit. Mm -hmm. So today's program is Hollywood Be Your Name, Hollywood Be Your Name. And I was thinking about what is going on with, um, the largest Protestant denomination, I think, in the world. I think the SBC is the largest Protestant denomination in the world. Um, and and what is instructive for us, what is a warning for us in this current conversation? And as I was listening to a news podcast earlier this morning, I was, I was struck by um, an astute observation that was made by one of the reporters um, and I thought, you know, this is the kind of conversation that we need to have. Now, of course, we're not going to have it from um, sort of a, you know, we're not going to have it from a secular, here's the news right. angle. We are going to have it from a spiritual implications filtered through the Bible angle, which is what we do, right? Exactly. And so, but I, exactly. I mean, that's, that's just <laughs> kind of what we do. And, and so, but, but in order to do that, I want to, I want to I, I go back to this conversation mm -hmm. and I want to be a part of making sure that as Christians, we are having the right conversations around these issues, which is largely what we do on this program. We are asking the question, you know, how how do we form our thinking mm -hmm. um, in light of the word of God? Right. Right. Like how how can we uh, grab our grief from um, a true violation of scripture, a violation of God's holy word. That's where our, that should be the source of our grief, right? When we see that the scriptures are being violated. And so we want to make sure that we weed through all of the information 
all of the sensationalism that some of this can be and get to the violation of scripture that I think should really truly grieve us. And so often we don't get to that point because we're, um, I don't know, we're kind of grabbed by what is shiniest. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And sometimes it's just, it's like the story on its, on its surface here. Mm -hmm. But just in case some of our, our listeners are unfamiliar, I want to start with, um, sort of just the background, there was a seven-month-long uh, investigation that um, was conducted by a, a firm that was hired by the SBC's executive committee um, to investigate whether or not the Southern Baptist Convention um, ignored sh- sexual abuse allegations made by SBC members specifically against pastors and leaders in the denomination. Now, I'm trying to to explain that very clearly and carefully because I think that there's something that is necessary in the discussion when we understand what the aim of this firm was that was hired by the Southern Baptist um, Convention's executive committee. Why was this firm hired? And I was listening to Morning Wire this morning. And their culture reporter, a woman by the name of Megan Basham, actually really hit on this. And, and I thought, boom, that's exactly it. And, and I thought, this is a discussion that Christians need to have. Not, not only the fact that there is a list and not only the fact that there were these transgressions that were in some cases ongoing, but really why it was that these things were not followed up on. Like what what was the reason that these things are not followed up on? And so I want you to hear we've got two clips. Well, actually, three clips that want to pr- play for you today. Uh, this first one um, is Megan Basham of, of Morning Wire. She's talking about um, understanding the scope of this investigation or the scope of this report and what the actual aim was. This is clip one. The firm hired by the SBC task force was charged with investigating how its executive committee members handled abuse claims over a period of about 20 years. It wasn't to provide a full investigation into the veracity of those claims. So with that narrow focus, the investigation found that the committee, and I'm just going to quote here, singularly focused on avoiding liability for the SBC to the exclusion of other considerations. In a nutshell, what it found was that leaders deferred to lawyers' advice to not respond to claims of abuse in order to protect the denomination from lawsuits. The investigators also said the executive committee kept a secret list of pastors and church staff suspected of being abusers but didn't act on it. And it found that one former SBC president has been credibly accused of sexually assaulting another pastor's wife. Now, that said, the committee members say the list was only a collection of already identified abusers, and they had collated that list from newspaper reports. So they say it wasn't something secret. It was already in the public domain. And the accused former president claims that that sexual encounter he had with another pastor's wife was consensual. Okay, so so did you catch that? And I'm totally willing to play it again because it really is a little bit unnerving when you really catch what was uncovered by this firm, Mm -hmm. when you really catch what we should be paying attention to in this report. So while, yes, we are paying attention to the names and even some of the, the details of what happened and we're saying, man, this is egregious, like this is something that should have never been ignored, 
I think I think the bigger focus needs to be, um, at least in part, <laughs> um, why these things were ignored. Yeah. So why were these things ignored mm. to protect the SBC from legal liability? So that there would not be um, any lawsuits levied against us so that we could protect ourselves from the backlash that working the Bible would cause. Mm. Now, guys, that's egregious. Like when, when you when you actually take a step back and, and I want to I'm going to make a biblical case for why this is a problem. And, and what I think shows as sort of like the bigger sickness, if you will, it is that the name of God is not holy among us. Mm. If God's name is hallowed among us, mm-hmm. right? Like I, w- I was thinking about this. And so I went back and I'm going to, I'm going to flip through. That's what we do on this program. What we're trying to do is teach everyday Christians how to engage scripture while we engage the culture, right? How we, how we turn to the word of God and we're able to, to then discern what we observe in culture and filter that through a biblical lens. So I was thinking about um, Jesus teaching the apostles how to pray. And you have this in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4, and then you have it in Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 through 13. And so the thing that I kept thinking about and kept coming back to was this, hallowed be your name. So I went back and, and I'm looking up this prayer and, and then I read it and I'm, I'm going to read the prayer for you. So it's, uh, it's Matthew chapter 6, verses uh, 7 through, th- I'll start at verse 7 and go to verse 13. Well, actually, I can start at verse 9. Uh, here's Jesus saying, he, verse 9, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive or have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So the thing I kept focusing on as I was thinking about this in preparation for this for this program, I kept thinking about the hallowed be your name part, the hallowed Mm -hmm. be your name. So what is it that Jesus is saying to the apostles and by extension, he is saying to us, right? This, in fact, is this is the first request in the prayer. Right. So so right off the bat, (laughs) we are we are Mm -hmm. to pray and ask God Mm -hmm. to help us keep his name holy in our midst. Mm. Amen. (laughs) Yeah. So just like just pause and think about that for a second. Right. So. Mm. Because I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the midst of a holiness study, right? So, th- so, so these things become glaring to me. Right off the bat, we are to stop and ask the Lord to help us to keep his name holy. God's name is holy point blank. So then you have to go, so wait, why, so why are we praying for God's name to be holy? What we are praying is that God will enable us to keep his name holy. So this goes to that we're going to live in such a way that the the separateness, the otherness, right? Yeah. The, what is holy about God, the otherness of God is preserved among us. When God's name is not hallowed among us, then we become pragmatic and we do things that violate the scriptures. Mm. We go against the word of God because we don't fear him. We don't honor him. We don't honor his word. And I think that of the things that we could point out as we go through these lists and and we look at all of these attacks, these things are egregious. And I don't want to downplay that at all, not even for a second. But I want to back up and I want to say, wait, hold on a second. So there was no fear of God 
among these people in these various positions of leadership that the name of God must be hallowed in our midst. We have to deal with this biblically and whatever happens, happens. Mm. We have we have to go to the law because the law has been broken here where in instances it was indeed broken. We have to go to the law because the Bible instructs us that the law is given by God. So we have to we have to go to the law. Right. But at the same time, we have to deal with sin and we have to bring church discipline because God's name is holy. Yep. So, brothers and sisters, like when that does not happen, that should be pretty high on the list of things that are most chilling to us, that are most egregious to us, that become, to say it simply, right, in in modern terms, like that's a problem. That's problematic. Well, when that does not happen, you have what has been unfolded now. Absolutely. And it's pervasive throughout, you know, when when you don't go to the law that's been established, you know, and the authority to given by God. And you don't have church discipline where you did where the church deals with sin. Mm-hmm. You have what we have now before us, you yes. know, that's playing out uh, in the SBC. And, you know, and that's these 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 are the things that come from not having the proper things in place that the Bible lays out. Come on. That we should be doing. Come on. Absolutely. And listen, and, and there are people who wrongly believe now listen to me guys this we don't we we don't receive our instruction from the accusers even though they they flow from the chief accuser right <laughs> so we don't receive our instructions from the accusers of Christians. So we live in a very perverse culture, right? And we live in a culture where there are people who are watching Christians and waiting for our missteps, waiting for us to miss the mark. They're waiting for us to sin, just to say it simply, right? Because they believe that somehow they're going to be able to accuse God when we sin. Mm. We have given into that by way of acting that out. So we try to conceal our sin. Really, you give strength to the accuser when you conceal the sin. What you should do is agree with God. This is called confession. And you have to say, this is sin. Not only am I saying what happened. A lot of people think confession is just saying what happened. But confession is agreeing with God that what happened is sin. And when these things happen, we must do this the loudest. We we must do this most loudly, if you will, because God's name is holy, we must agree with him publicly. All right, we'll grab the break. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. Stay close. begins to sin and refuses to repent, Jesus has told us how to deal with that person. We are told to correct them. If they refuse to be corrected, then we are to remove them from membership. And where there's sex abuse, there's violence or threat of violence, the civil authorities should be called. God's ordained the state to handle crimes, and he's ordained the church to handle sin. 
That's Tom Askell, uh, who uh, is, I want to say, in the running or desires to be the president of the SBC, mm-hmm. um, making the case there that, man, there's a problem, right? Yeah. That the church has a specific role and that there is the right ex- expectation mm-hmm. that church discipline will be implemented. And this didn't happen. And um, oh, welcome back to Aaron the Addisons <laughs> on American Family Radio. We appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. Hallowed be your name. That's that's the title of the program today as we just take a look at what's going on with the SBC and where some of our focus might come to rest in the discussion that it's not just the acts that were committed. These things are egregious. They're horrible. They're horrible. There's there's just no excuse for that. The thing that I think is most troubling is that um, for for legal liability reasons. Church discipline was abandoned. Mm. This is a problem. Yeah. And and Willa Gray just uh, called my attention to our sister Merle, who's listening, who said, wasn't this the responsibility of the church? Shouldn't some of the responsibility be laid at their feet that they didn't do certain things? Absolutely. Wherever responsibility should be laid, it must be laid. But it didn't stop at the churches, because what we know is that executive committee leaders, along with outside counsel, um, controlled the reports of abuse. And their singular focus, it seems like, according to the information that has come out, their singular focus was on avoiding liability for the SBC. <laughs> That's according to the Associated Press, by the way. I'm not just right. opining on that. So so when you have this as a public discovery, um, and this is this is to me, this is like a gut punch. It's like, well, we can't, you know, we can't be liable. Um, legally for any of these things or we can't we don't want to be sued we we don't want you know this might put financial stra- all of these things yeah. that we, yeah. we think you know what I mean yeah. kind of like justifies our um, abandoning the word of God <laughs> it doesn't right it does not at all and I and I think you know Will the Great you talk an awful lot about the sin sickness of the church that has rendered us powerless yeah the sin sickness of the church does not just stop in sort of these acts defining what that sickness is. Mm-hmm. I think the reason these acts were covered should also be listed among the sickness mm-hmm. that we esteem some things right higher than the word of God, higher than God's name. Yeah. Like I, I was thinking about um, I was thinking about the Apostle Paul. And and I was thinking about him giving the qualities of the elders, right, the qualifications of the elders, that this is not just um, a scripture to be used to lay out how men and women function in positions in the church. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it, it doesn't just stop there. This actually is laying out the qualities of the elder, right. the person who's going to be in the position of leadership. Right. And so. When you have at a very basic level that the requirement is is that the person is supposed to be above reproach, the church cannot ignore these types, this in in these people, let me say, and not in anyone, but certainly in these people who are tasked with teaching the word of God. Now, now why am, why am I saying that? And, and I, I, again, I want to look at Titus because you could go to first Timothy, Mm -hmm. but you can also go to Titus 
And Titus does something or Paul does something really interesting in his letter to Titus when he's talking about the qualifications of an elder. Right. And 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 the high standard that we hold our elders to. And there's some people who would say, well, you know, we don't we don't still. Hold. OK, so that's a very liberal take on scripture. And, and we're going to disagree on that. We're going to disagree that we don't still hold our elders to this. These high qualifications like this. Paul wasn't just looking for something to do. Right. Like he wasn't, you know what I mean? He wasn't, this is not a doodle. This, this, this is doctrine for the church. Right. So it's really interesting to me that when you read Titus and Titus chapter one, I'm going to start at verse five. Um, Paul, Paul writes to Titus. This is why I left you in Crete so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, you're going to see in just a second here that being above reproach actually gets repeated twice. It's interesting. It's because because in a, in a sense, above reproach actually becomes the lowest mark for measure. <laughs> then he goes into specificity. But above reproach is sort of like the generic like low bar. I mean, can you it's like in playing the the um, what is it? The limbo? You know, it's like, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> right. it's the one where it starts out. It's just kind of on the ground. And then everybody's just like you step right over it. Right. So the <laughs> so the being above reproach is the. Everybody can feel good about that. You think you think everybody just that's the low bar. Be above reproach. Like just, you know what I mean? Like don't have people giving you side eyes out in public. OK, got it. And then he goes into great specificity about what we should look for in those who desire to be elders, those who want to lead the Lord's church. I mean, that's amazing. But but being above reproach is actually going to be repeated. So so it's it's important, maybe more than we realize. Right. So here we go. All right. Verse six. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. Verse seven for an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He circles back to that. There's a reason for that. He circles back to that. He's not trying to fill a word count. He must not be arrogant or quick tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy and disciplined. Verse nine, he must hold firm. And guys, if it like this is where when you read the scripture, you kind of lean in just a little bit because this this again, and because the point I'm making, <laughs> this is what should chill us. Right. And I don't mean this in a cool way. I mean, this is what should be chilling to us when we understand that you have men in positions of leadership who were tasked in some instances with the oversight of the Lord's church, but were not held to account for their sin. Mm. Now, verse nine, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine. Now that is a given, but the apostle Paul actually goes a step further. It's not only so that he can give instruction in sound doctrine. The Bible says, and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So the quality of the character of the person who is leading God's church, right, must be such that not only can he teach the word, right, with a clean and clear conscience, but he's also got to be able to not have anything that would stop him challenging someone who contradicts it. 
right? So let's, let's say, for example, you've got someone who is involved in ongoing sin and maybe by way of just constant rebellion against God, they've been able to, um, to, to suppress their conscience and they can still teach the word without conviction. Like they're, you know, but, but maybe what will happen is someone will challenge what they're saying and they have an inability to respond to it because they're like, Ooh, um, I, I, I do those things. Mm. So we have a sickness in the church. Mm. We have a problem in the church because we have a, we have a, and I don't want to, I don't want to overuse this word. I know we've had enough of the emics, you know, but we have an epidemic. <laughs> you know, I know every people like Miki, please no more emics. We've had enough emics to last us a lifetime. Um, but there may just be an epidemic in the church where we just have such poor quality of leadership and people don't feel like they can say anything about it. And we think we're doing God a favor by ignoring sin. Actually, we're not doing God a favor. Again, back to the word. If you look at Romans chapter two, I'm just going to flip to it. This is Romans chapter two, where Paul is addressing those who would call themselves the keepers of the law. And what is his case against them? He actually he 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 actually calls them to account on the part of their hypocrisy. Right. (laughs) Right. So so we think we're doing God a favor because we're like, well, let's not let's not deal with this sin. Let's not openly because it's going to cause people to think bad of us and and say, see, there Mm. go the Christians. Mm. Actually, no. What's going to cause people to think bad of us and say, see, there go the Christians is the hypocrisy in our midst. Mm. It is that we are saying this about God, but we are living a different way and no one calls it out. This is the problem. Right. So so if we want to hollow the Lord's name in our midst, then when sin arises, when we see these things happening in our midst, we don't call them a wreck. Come on. OK, so so what do you mean? What do you mean when you so this this goes back uh, 10 years or so, 10 years or so goes back where you have. Um, I, I. Bishop. I, Eddie Long. Eh, yes. <laughs> I just hesitate. You understand what I'm saying? Because these titles have meaning. And when we just throw them around like that, you know what I'm saying? Like that, you know, but an overseer of the Lord's church like this, there, there's a meaning here. But this was a huge this was a huge issue. And some of you may be familiar with this. Some of you may not be. But I want to use it in the, as an example to show the type of manipulation that is rampant in the church where we ignore sin and we come up with cute little pet names for sin. where We, we call sin things so that we don't feel that it is sin. Right? So so when you have this man who is leading a church, huge church, he's he's dead now, he's no longer alive. But he was leading a huge church in Atlanta, I want to say. Yeah. And an investigation revealed and people coming forward and and confessing that he was in an ongoing relationship with multiple men. Multiple men. So do you know what happened? What happened was people left that church. They fled that church. They got out of Dodge. Why? Because they were like, this is wrong. This is sin. And so then they go to another church that is pastored by Creflo Dollar. And then they go to, they go to, which to me, I'm just like, I mean, guys, y'all, <laughs> I'm like, guys, look a little bit further. Like, <laughs> I mean, search the word to know if truth is being taught. And if it's not, I don't care how big the church is. Come on now. Next, move on. <laughs> like, I'm like, you know, it's, it, pause for a second, guys. Let me just, uh, guys, look, come on, guys. We're nearing the end here. We're nearing the end. There was never a time to make light 
of false doctrine, but certainly that time is not now. I'm not saying that there ever was a time, but it's not now. We're nearing the end, right? So it's like, you know, all hands on deck for for telling the truth and sticking close to the word of God. But to me, if you leave Eddie Long's church and then you go to Creflo Dollar's church, it's like leaving the house made of sticks and going to the one made of straw. I'm sorry, but like, I'm, you, you understand what I'm saying? Like, it's like, dude, don't stop till you get to the brick. Don't st- just keep going. Like you're, you're leaving one made of sticks and you're going to straw. Just keep going until you find the bricks because there, there you go. The structure is not going to be blown down. Everybody understand what I'm saying here. So, so let me just put that out there before I play this clip, because I don't want people to think that I'm playing this as if this is some like sort of high. Oh, this, I can't believe you said this. There are other things that this man said, but I want you to hear this because I want you to understand the type of manipulation and the type of asleep at the willness <laughs> that is present in the church today. So this was about 10 years ago. This was a big deal. Eddie Long. I mean, these people all coming forward and saying that they had ongoing relationships with him. Mm-hmm. Men. Okay. Pictures was coming out. There were pictures. There was <laughs> the evidence was, was overwhelming. It was, there. Yes. it was undeniable. This was not, you know. So, but here we go. Here is Creflo Dollar, House of Straw. Okay. Talking to his congregation where there are other members that have, they have fled Eddie Long's church and they've come to Creflo Dollar's church. And I want you to hear, listen to what he says to this congregation, to the people who have left the house made of sticks and come into the house made of straw. Here we go. I don't know what it is with our, with the, with the church. When you have a wreck, you expect for God to forgive you and everybody else. Don't let the preacher have a wreck now. Then you become self-righteous and you become judgmental. And you're going to leave the preacher for his wreck. When you don't have more wrecks. That preacher's still anointed to do what he was called to do. He just had a wreck. The blood will take care of his issues just like it'll take care of yours. And I just can't believe that people would leave their preacher because he had a wreck. Instead of praying for him. Man, I pray I don't ever have a wreck that you leave me because I'm going to get up in your face. I, I'll forget you then. You, I'll tell you about yourself. I mean, boy, that, that, that pastor, he's loved them and he's taken care of them and he's given to them and he's done that and he's did this and that. Okay, so he had a wreck. You had some wrecks? I'm thinking, man, the mercy God showed on you, but you couldn't show it to the preacher? And then the gossip that's in the body of Christ over a preacher that had a wreck? He had a wreck. Here's the good news. He got insurance. Oh, my goodness. Guys, we we actually covered this. We were doing a morning show when this was a current event, and we actually covered this. We talked about it at length. This drips with manipulation. This drips with a mishandling of the word of God. He was disqualified. Right. He was disqualified. This this was not, oh, you know, I was out driving, and I accidentally, the squirrel just came out in front of me, and I veered off and then met this tree. This, this, is, this is not what we're talking about. We're talking about multiple relationships over a period of years where you're actually taking funds from the church to fund your relationships. 
And as it, as it pertains to this SBC list, we are talking about some repeat offenders where it's where it's not it's not dealt with because we don't want the we don't want the SBC to be sued. <laughs> we don't want any lawsuits. So if we validate these claims, if we employ church discipline, we as an entity might suffer. To say, oh, nothing of the Lord's name. We don't, we can't really be bothered with that. We just don't want the SBC to suffer. So it's Hollywood be SBC's name. We'll grab the break and we'll be right back. And I'm nothing without you. I'm nothing without you. I'm nothing without you. I'm nothing without you. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Jason Nelson with Nothing Without You. Romans chapter 2, I'm going to start at verse 19. And if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? Mm. While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, Do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law. Now think about this. We are, we are so set and and we believe ourselves to be postured. Well, when we say we're going to protect the name of God, we're going to hide sin. We're going to cover sin because we don't want the name of God blasphemed among the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. Well, in the context of that statement in Romans chapter two, it's blasphemed because you're a hypocrite. Mm. It's because you say these things, but you don't do them. Right. So when, when we hollow it, God's name, when God's name is holy in our midst, that means we agree with him about sin. And that means we declare it publicly. We don't try to hide it. We don't try to cover it up. First Corinthians chapter five, the apostle Paul is like, whoa, what is going on with you people? Right. He, he's like, you guys got sin that even the pagans don't got. That's not what that's not the Greek. Okay, that's not the Greek rendering of that. But think about it. Think about what he says. He's like, you guys are boasting about this This is not good. He's like, you should be mourning over what is going on in your midst. And then he says, get rid of him. Expel the immoral brother. Right. You know, one of the one of the major problems, I think, that 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 arises in these type of situations, especially we talk about leaders and pastors you know, God has set up the church in a way that there is accountability. There are elders, yes. you know, Amen. you have deacons, you have different things in place. But if there's no safety or nowhere in even among the elders to to to, to be like, man, I'm dealing with some stuff mm-hmm. and to really get not yes, men, but yes. men who are going to be like, OK, we need to go to the Bible. We need to go to prayer. We need to. Uh, hold you accountable on these things you have a pastor who who is just holding all of that stuff bottled you know bottled up yep. and and w- either out of fear won't go to anyone else or you know just because because he's trying to hide won't go to yeah, because, anyone because else because there is you know? there is not the desire for the consequences right 
right? So, so there is truth that the Lord forgives us, man. You know, we can, we can confess our sin one to another. We confess our sin to the Lord. We agree with the Lord. And I, I want to stress it's so important for the body of Christ for us to understand mm-hmm. that coming clean is not just saying what you did. It is saying yeah. with God mm-hmm. that what you did is utterly wrong, That's that right. it is morally wrong, that it is sin, right? That, that it deserves God's judgment. That's it's right. not just saying, I did a thing, mm-hmm. right? It is the brokenness that comes from, man, we, I missed the mark. Right. This, I, I have transgressed against the Lord. And, and so often we have normalized the posture that is just the, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've mm-hmm. normalized that it is what it is. It just, you know, it just is what it is. What does that mean? Right. That's not a confession. Yeah. Yeah, that's why the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles, because we are saying one thing, but we're doing something totally different. So I want to I want to open the phone lines, get your take on this 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. How are we constantly missing the mark? We've not hollowed yeah. the, the Lord's name in our midst. We, we think we're doing God a favor by ignoring sin. There's nowhere in scripture that you're going to see that um, as a, as a means of keeping God's name, holy, we are instructed to ignore sin. Yeah. The, the opposite is true. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was gonna say, and this is one of the reasons right here. I believe also that we shouldn't make celebrities out of our leaders. Come on. Because when you have a celebrity type um, mentality thrust upon leaders, I, I, I believe you, you get a lot of this type of stuff because there is no holding accountable. You know, there is no it's 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 so much so in our culture that we have this celebrity type, you know, uh, environment that it is also within the church. And we don't realize that the pastor is a part of the body of Christ as well. Like he has to be he's a part of the the church as well. Oh, That's such a great. He's a part of the body. Like he's not like up here and all the members (laughs) are down here. And so but when we thrust that celebrity mentality upon our leaders, mm-hmm. man, we cause them mm-hmm. great peril. You oh, know, that's something man. else that they have to deal with. Man, that is such, I'm just, I'm just, just processing what you're saying that sometimes in, in our, you know, man, in our zeal for those who serve us, right. Who labor in the word. Sometimes we put them in a separate category that mm-hmm. the word that they teach doesn't apply to them, mm. man. I don't, I don't know. I don't have a, I don't have a verse for this, but I would say, man, first it applies to them. They're mm. teaching it. I mean, I, I, I know that the Bible says that teachers are going to be judged more severely. Like, yeah. I mean, you're teaching yeah. the word of God. So so you better <laughs> be applying that to your life. Yeah. Right. You 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 better be steeped and in the word applies, of God. It applies to you. And you even saw the apostle Paul when that type of thing was trying to be uh, thrust upon them. <laughs> he was like, well, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? Like, Come on, did, right. did, did he die for right. you? You know, like, mm. man, and they were consistently and constantly Thrust that aside. Like, no, we're not. That's amazing. We're how not we, celebrities. We're not gods. We're not, you know, like, how it's have we Christ. moved away from that, though, Will the Great? That's what I'm, I'm trying to, because you, you, your point is well made here that the Apostle Paul actually shunned that. Yes. In fact, he was like, man, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of y'all. Well, except, you know, <laughs> right. and then he kind of goes through and he's like, okay, them. But, but other than that, right, right. I'm glad that right. I didn't. So how have we moved from that type of like, I am a servant of the Lord. I'm a bond servant of Christ to now get ready. Here comes. <laughs> and then, and then we are right. so loyal to these people, even above the name of Christ. Like, and I, you know, I don't want the joke to cover how, how deeply sinful this is mm-hmm. 
But we have we have flipped here. I don't know how this has happened, except to say that because Christianity is cultural, then you have to also have what is innate in the Man. culture, which is celebrity. Man. When Christianity Man. is biblical, then we don't have celebrities. We have those that we love and that we esteem because they labor in the word, man, they give an account for our soul. So that's right for us to do. Mm-hmm. Right. But if we have biblical Christianity, then those that get esteemed too much, if, if people turn up the dial too much, then they, st- they, they kind of jump into that Pauline, like, hold up a second. Mm-hmm. Right. I think some of the problem is that we don't have enough men saying, hold up a second. Mm-hmm. We, they love it. They're like, yeah, yeah, they really like me around Man, here. They have look. an entourage. They kind of get ushered out after they speak. Like, Come on. you know, it's they, you know what I'm saying? And and, 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 and we yeah. we like man, it. A man is tested by the praises that he receives. Like that. And that, so we like it. Yeah. We, we like that. We like that. They like that. We we're like, don't talk about the man of God. The man of God. Right. You put a D put on a it. D in <laughs> that's a cultural thing, guys. That's OK. Anyway, let's let's. But it's a problem. I think yeah. that it's worth exploration. Yeah. And I think that the 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 hallowing of God's name must come back to the fore. Amen. Like Amen. Th- we 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 have got to recognize that the name of God is holy. And this is the first prayer that we're taught to pray that mm-hmm. the Lord would enable us would enable us to keep his name holy in our midst. Mm-hmm. And and it's like at this very thing we seem to be failing. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. That's mm-hmm. a problem. Will the great. Let's go to the phone lines. Where do we go first? All right, let's go to Bill in Mississippi. Hi, Bill. Hey, buddy. How are you today? Doing great. <clears throat> I just want to say I appreciate you guys' messages and your words. And Sister Nikki's got it right. Uh, we've turned cultural. Hmm. But in hmm. and, and, and speaking to the Southern Baptist Conference, you know, I think it was um, established as a lobby group. To, to promote God's word, and we've gotten away from God's word to uh, promoting um, how how will we say it? Um, um, oh Lord, uh, the word left you, the, the term left me politically correct. Yeah, I was going to say the issues, it, like the the platforms, like uh, promoting sort of like I guess what our positions are, our talking points. Maybe I don't know if that's where you're going with that, brother Bill. Yes, and 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 I agree. You know, it's it's gone from from biblically founded to culturally founded and it, and it's mm. and I'll let you go from there. I just, mm. I just No, I appreciate uh, your observations. I, I really do. I appreciate your observations and I wasn't familiar with how the convention was actually founded or <clears throat> excuse me, what the um what the origins of the convention actually what what they are. I don't I don't know that it'd be interesting um to to research that and to look that up and maybe I will, but I will say this though um, none of the associations, right? None of the associations usurp the authority or the application of God's word. You know, it's amazing how much we can be so in love with the entities that we we actually think that the entity itself or the denomination itself, we, we make those things synonymous to God. They they become like the representation of God. And and you know, that's wrong. I was trying to think of a stronger word, but sometimes just simplicity is better. That's wrong. It's sinful. God alone is God. He is the one true God. His word is the word that his word is the word. Yeah. Right. So if you're getting legal counsel, that's telling you, ah, you're going to have to suppress this because this is going to look bad for you guys. Then you have to say, well, what does the word of God say? The word of God says we got to deal with this. And if you got someone who's unwilling to repent, 
they're continuing on in this sin and we've addressed it once or twice and they're not, then man, there's, there's a portion of scripture where Paul's like, Hey, bring them all together and hand them over to Satan and their body over to Satan that their soul will be saved. And we could probably do a whole program and have some guests (laughs) on to talk about what exactly that means. But you don't hear a whole lot of talk about that. Where are you headed off to a prayer meeting? Where are you headed off to a handing over to Satan meeting? Wait, what? Like that's it's Bible. (laughs) All right. Well, the great, where do we go next? All right, let's go to Susan in Virginia. Hi, Susan. Hi, how are you? Um, I'm a new listener and a new um, caller, and I appreciate you talking about this. Um, I just finished studying 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus in community Mm -hmm. Bible study. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's like a national, non-denominational Bible study. But um, if you read um, 1 Timothy... Um, chapter 3, Paul is telling him how to pick overseers, or you could interpret that as a pastor or a bishop, and it says that they have to be above reproach. The husband and one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, not addicted to wine or pugnacious. Um, You know, it just goes on and on. And then if you go on to chapter 5, they talk about if someone's accused that's an elder, you need two or three witnesses. However, if you go down to verse 20, it says, those who continue in sin rebuke in the presence of all, Come that on. the rest may be fearful of mm. sinning. And I, I've just been thinking about all the horrible shootings and things like that that's going on in our world, and I keep thinking, what has happened to our church. I have a, mm-hmm. I'm not Baptist. I have a friend who is, and um, stuff like this was going on, and, and so she had to leave the church. But, um, you know, it's a bad witness to our country, and I feel like we look outside and judge the others, but we need to get it right inside the church. Mm-hmm. And I'm just praying that people will wake up. And I am so thankful that you brought this up because it's gotten out of control, I think. Man, thank you so much. Thank I really you. do appreciate you calling, Susan. And and I, I, I would go a step further in the verse that you read there because, man, the point that you're making there could really be unpacked across another another show here One of the things that we see and I think is evident in this report is a show of partiality. In verse 21, it says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of all the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. Hmm. Yeah. Just apply the word. Yeah. Just apply the word. Let's try to squeeze in one, maybe two more calls. Will the Great, where do we go? All right, let's go to Sean in Minnesota. Hi, Sean. Hi, thanks for taking my call, first-time caller. I I just wanted to comment quick. It's kind of a shame when leaders are trying to get off of consequences and making other people think that when you forgive me, I'm off the hook Mm. and there's no fallout. Mm. There is a difference between forgiving someone and consequences of that sin. Come Mm. on. You're right. Oh, Sean, point blank. By, by other people, they said, "Well, if you're, isn't all sin the same?" I said, "No, it's not. No. If if you're talking positionally, any sin keeps keeps us from getting into heaven. Mm-hmm. On that, 
on, yes, they're all the same. But from a relation standpoint, no, sin is different, and the Come consequences on. are different to those sins. That's and right. we've got to be held accountable so the congregation and the general public, our witness, means something. Oh, man. Sean, I'm so glad that we're going to, this is a great place for us to leave it because this is something for us to ponder and to think on. And I think it goes back to my, my original call or my, my original question. Um, man, have we failed to hallow the Lord's name in our midst? Mm. Do, do we pray that prayer with the full understanding of what we are praying? Do we ask that the Lord will enable us to keep his name holy? Right? Do we have the right application of the word of God? Are we even reading the word of God? And I think, man, there's a lot of searching that we have to do. And, you know, this report is so much more than just the list. All right, we're out of time. Thank you so much for listening. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.